630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in. Oilers, Canucks postponed tomorrow as the Canucks return to play is being delayed. It hasn't been officially announced, but it sounds like their first game back is going to be Sunday against the Leafs. They were originally supposed to play the Oilers tomorrow, the Leafs Saturday. So the Oilers will now practice here in Edmonton tomorrow, then fly to Winnipeg in the afternoon. They play the Jets on Saturday, and we're expecting that the NHL will announce that game will now start at 5 p.m. instead of 8. So the face-off show, 6.30 Chet on Saturday, will be at 3.30. NHL tonight, the Jets leading the Leafs 4-2 with 12 minutes left. After two, it's Detroit up 3-1 on Chicago. Late in the first, Blue Jackets leading Dallas 1-0. In the third, Flyers and Penguins 1-1. Panthers and Lightning 1-1. Hurricanes up 3-0 on the Preds. Sabres lead the Caps 4-2 early in the third. Partway through the third, Rangers all over the Devils. It's 5-0. And start of the third period, Bruins out shooting the Islanders 35-18. And they have a 2-1 lead in that game. Blue Jays are down 3-0 in the fourth, taking on Kansas City. Oil Kings just getting underway against Lethbridge. Oil Kings having, obviously, a great season. Just one loss so far this year. Well, they're about a minute into the first period in Lethbridge. No score. Also, Ronnie writes in. We have a we have a non-COVID, non-postponement text. Ronnie says, hey, Reed, why do you think Dominic Cahoon keeps getting put in the top six? He's an okay player, but he's proven to not be effective at all in terms of point production. I would put almost anyone else on the roster ahead of him. Uh, well, fair comment. That's one of the holes in the Oilers lineup. They've tried Turris a little bit there. They've tried uh, Tyler Ennis. And then I think the other players... Um, I mean, look at the rest of the guys on the roster. They're, they're, most of them are scoring even less frequently than Cahoon does. So I think that's why you don't see Patrick Russell or Zach Cassian or, I mean, you could probably make an argument for Archibald going there, but then the third line is, is weaker Ronnie. So I think that's why they keep putting him there. They keep giving him shots. It's certainly not ideal. Okay. Oh, Pat Steinberg's on the phone from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Hey, Pat, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, hi, Reed. How are we doing? Good. Thanks for calling in tonight. Hey, uh, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, I just yeah, wanted to exactly. talk about Dominic Cahoon, please. <laughs> there we go. Ronnie beat you to it. Uh, yeah, so how much, how, how much did the, I mean, I know I want to talk to you about the flames cause they're making it interesting here against all odds by Phil Collins might be their theme song. Is, is this, is this Canucks a big talker for you guys today? Or is it because the flames aren't directly involved in one of the games this weekend? People aren't that concerned about it, but they, they did affect well, the flames and Canucks recently though. It has. And I think what is interesting is flames fans, those who are, still holding on to some hope to make the playoffs. And I think that hope has certainly become a little bit more, um, a little bit more palpable in recent days. Um, I think that the, the conversation now is okay. So the Canucks aren't playing and we don't know how many games they're going to play. How is that going to affect the rest of the playoff race? And what about those two games at the end of the season? Are they going to mean anything? So, Calgary's schedule was supposed to end, much like every other North Division uh, team, but Calgary's schedule was supposed to end on May 8th, right? And so instead, it's ending on May 16th, uh, which is 
you know, more than a week later than originally scheduled because of how things got thrown into the blender first with Montreal and then with Vancouver. So I think people are wondering, okay, so they play them back-to-back on the 15th and 16th, are those games going to all of a sudden be for a playoff berth for Calgary? Is that going to all of a sudden determine whether or not this team is in or out? And we're a long way from actually crossing that bridge, but I think that's been the interesting part is Montreal doesn't have any more games with Vancouver, whereas Calgary's got four games left with Montreal, and, and so I think that's where the biggest intrigue comes from is whether or not the Flames and their remaining games against Vancouver A, are going to get played as scheduled, and B, if they do, how much they're actually going to mean. It, it's an interesting topic. I, I, I got a lot of uh, text messages in the first hour of the show. Uh, a few gentlemen phoned in, talked to John Shannon. And, I, you know, it's everything from we got to just let the Canucks heal and let them play when they're ready to a couple of people said if they have a game on the schedule they can't play, forfeit. It's too late in the season. I, I think that's a, a pretty and – we, and we know the NHL doesn't want to do that. You know, John Sannon says they're still going to get them the 56 games. But, I, but man, I, and you sort of touched on those games at the end of the year. I, like, I wonder when the schedule comes out tomorrow if it's a drastic reorganization. Just like if they just say we almost have to start from almost scratch and then, and then get all the games in that way. I don't know. Well, and, and look at, I mean, and, and, you know, far be it for me and a guy in Calgary who we, we enjoy seeing the Oilers uh, go through misery, but the, uh, has there been a team that has been more of an innocent bystander to this whole stuff than the, to this whole situation, both with Montreal and then with Vancouver, than the Edmonton Oilers? Like how many games have the Oilers had completely thrown around and how many times has their schedule been completely jacked up and now they're in a situation where they got to play X amount of games in, in a short amount of time. And, they, and, and I'm not trying to say that there's been any fault in, in Montreal or Vancouver. COVID is what COVID is. People are going to get it. I understand that. But the Oilers haven't. And the Oilers have not had a positive test, yet their schedule has been thrown completely into disarray a few times. So, you know, that's why I wonder, because everybody's schedules have been thrown around into a blender a couple of times now. I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not they completely rework the Matrix, too, and, and almost look at it and say, is it going to even be possible to get Vancouver 256? If it is, how do we do that in a more their equitable way so they're not going to all of a sudden put themselves in a spot where soft tissue injuries and, and overplaying injuries are going to become part of the equation not to mention the fact that a lot of guys are coming back from a respiratory illness and and being thrown into the the highest level hockey on the planet which needs pretty good respiratory ability so the whole thing is a mess and i i honestly don't know what to expect now between now and the end of the season i really don't in terms of the schedule yeah, well, and I said that before, <laughs> before you, uh, before I went to the news, that like a couple people are asking me about the playoffs, and I'm just like, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but like I can't even, because you know I get asked, well, is the are the is like the Canadian winner going to have to go play all their home game, and like I can't even get that far ahead right now. We got to get through, uh, we got to get through this yeah. this part of it for sure. So let's let's touch on the Flames though. Because, and like I, I, I know you know you and I do the Oilers Flames thing sometimes, but really I don't like say things to troll the Flames. But I mean, look, I've, I've been saying for a few weeks they're not going to get in. 
but they have won what three in a row. I, I like yep. the the website sportsclubstats.com that does literally millions of computer simulations every day. And the Flames have gone up in their playoff odds by about five percent from two to seven. So seven's not very good, but it's better than but what are we talking about here? Like they basically have to get 20 out of 26 points down down the stretch or can they do a little worse than that and try to get in what what are you looking at well so so here's the here's the thing where calgary is concerned so their tragic number right now is uh the way i have it uh, computed the way i do it it's uh i guess it'd be 23 points so i then cut that in half and and kind of go the magic number tragic number route in baseball so their tragic number is 11 and a half and every time montreal wins or calgary loses in regulation and any single point either way uh drops that number so losses or uh, montreal wins drop it by one and then uh shootout overtime losses for either team drops it by a half a point so that's not a lot of wiggle room when you got 13 games remaining. And so essentially Montreal got 16 left. If Montreal goes eight and eight in their final 16, Calgary can only lose four games. So it's like that math doesn't work very well. However, the, the thing that makes the math a little bit more interesting and depending on how you look at it, the flames have got four of their final 13 games against Montreal. So there is, a good chunk of hockey left against the team they're directly competing against, and you've got an opportunity to take a bite out of it. They beat the Habs four times in a row, and the team that Calgary has played their best hockey against this season is Montreal. They've been junk against the Sens. They've had their lunch handed to them for the most part with Edmonton. Toronto won the season series. Winnipeg has played them really tough. But they've had a lot of success against Montreal. And, and so... Flames fans, the optimistic ones, are saying, okay, we understand the math doesn't favor. We understand that the Habs have played three fewer games and that they are in the driver's seat. But, okay, well, let's say that the success continues against Montreal and you can continue taking a bite out of them uh, because four of Calgary's next six games are against the Habs to finish the season series. Then all of a sudden, if you win the next four against Montreal – well, the math looks a whole lot better for Calgary. And I, I grant you that, but I also think it's going to be pretty difficult for Calgary too, who's already won four straight against Montreal, to then win four more in a row uh, against them to finish off the year. That's a tall task. But here's, here's I, I don't think they're going... I think the math is too uh, the math is, is too prohibitive for them. It's too much of an uphill climb. I don't think they're going to do it. But... The one thing that, that keeps the door open and the reason why I have not completely slammed it shut is because I do not buy Montreal. I don't. I haven't since they fired Claude Julian. I thought at the time that was a really dumb, short-sighted move. You go from an elite head coach to a guy who's never coached before at the, this level as a head coach, and, and immediately the team's play is regressed. They're no longer an analytics darling. They're not scoring. This roster, which is not built on superstar players, is not the, the greater than the sum of their parts. They're thin down the middle. They don't have their best player in Brendan Gallagher or maybe their most important heart and soul guy in Gallagher. They're missing Carey Price, their number one goalie. So I, I look at the Habs and I say, if I'm Vancouver, if they're going to make us play 16 and, or 19, and if I'm Calgary, 
I look at the Habs as a vulnerable hockey team, and so that's why the door is still open for me. It's less my faith in Calgary because they've been an infuriating, inconsistent, generally mediocre hockey team all year long. So my, my faith in Calgary is extremely low. It's less, it's, it's less about that and more about the fact I just don't buy Montreal. That, that to me, is not a really good hockey team, and, and I've got... I, I've, I've got some eyes on whether or not they're going to be able to keep up the pace they need to to not at least make this interesting for some teams down the stretch because their schedule sucks and they haven't been playing very good hockey. So that's why I haven't slammed the door completely. But the most likely scenario here is the Flames get close, they miss, they don't get a high draft pick, and they don't go to the playoffs. That that, that really does feel like the way it's going to go because that's kind of the way it always goes in this city. You know, it's, it's it's interesting how the matchups have worked out because I think most people listening would very much believe in Montreal because they've beaten the Oilers pretty bad three times this season and won another game in overtime and the Oilers only beat them once. So, yeah, it, it, that's pretty interesting. Hey, quickly before I let you go, which trade surprised you more, Riddick or Bennett? Oh, you know what? Kind of neither uh, because those two guys were both very much on the radar to go. I guess I guess the the return surprised me more for Bennett though, um, because I, I didn't think they were going to get as much for Bennett as they got to be able to turn him into a second round pick and then a guy who was taken in the second round in this past draft, Neil Heineman, to get that from the Panthers was actually pretty impressive. I thought uh, I think the Flames did a good job of leveraging Bennett's kind of resume of being a playoff performer. And they did a good job of leveraging the final six games before he was traded, where he had put up the most points in any stretch all season. So they got a pretty good return for him. But I, I thought Bennett wanted out. He wanted a change of scenery and had for months. The Flames were kind of dragging their feet on it because they didn't like the tact with the agent coming out and going public. And But now it's deadline time. You might as well make the move. They got a decent return. I thought they did pretty good, a pretty good job, all things considered. My biggest surprise is that they didn't move Derek Ryan. We had him, uh, we'd heard him connected to the Oilers. We'd heard him connected to a few other teams. I think Carolina was, was somewhat interested in him, but there just wasn't a big market. His, cap hit of over three million dollars even at half of that i think was pretty prohibitive for a lot of cap strap teams so I, I guess i was a little surprised that he didn't get moved because good player but the two moves that actually got made i had got good return on but the actual players moving i wasn't overly shocked at pat thanks for hopping on of course we'll keep in touch down the road here really appreciate your perspective man be well reed stay safe that's Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Hockey Sports at 960. Here's a name you'll know. Taylor Hall has scored for Boston. They lead the Islanders 3-1, 12 minutes left in the third. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Uh, Blue Jays in tough. Bottom of the fourth. They trail Kansas City 5-0. And the Royals threatening to add to the lead. If you missed it before the break, Taylor Hall has scored for the Boston Bruins. His third of the season. His first with the Bruins. 
Boston leading the Islanders 3-1 with nine minutes left in the third. A little bit of note here from the Canadian Football League. Uh, Board of Governors meeting expected next week. And the likely outcome, I'm being told, will be a postponement of the 2021 season. Not a cancellation, but a postponement. So a delayed start. And uh, my contact telling me this isn't overly surprising. So I guess this means uh, an 18-game season that starts a little later, or maybe they, they you know, they play a 14-game season, or uh, something like that. And uh, they still absolutely have the goal to play this year. So uh, something to expect there from the Canadian Football League next week. Oilers, no game tomorrow. No game tomorrow. So you're stuck with another edition of Inside Sports from six to eight at Winnipeg on Saturday. Again, at the moment, it's uh, it's still an 8 o'clock start officially, though we do expect it's going to get moved forward, and it'll start at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, the NHL saying that by tomorrow, it will have North Division schedule adjustments. We got the champ, Jelena Mergenovic, coming up. She has another title bout in a week, and former U of A goaltender now has an entry-level deal with the San Jose Sharks. Zach Zachenko coming up as well. you tuning in tonight just updating the scoreboard for you here the jets have beaten the maple leafs 5-2 kyle connor two goals he now has 21 on the season ehlers two goals he's now up to 20 halfway through the third red wings lead chicago 3-1 blue jackets up one nothing on the stars in the second period late in the third overtime looming flyers and penguins 1-1 They're going in overtime. Panthers and Lightning are tied 2-2. Panthers with a 37-17 edge in shots. Two minutes left in Carolina. Canes lead the Preds 4-1. Three minutes left in Washington. The Sabres looking like they're going to win. Up 4-2 on the Capitals. Anders Bjork has a goal. Taylor Hall has a goal for the Bruins. They lead the Islanders 3-1 late in the third. Rangers shut out the Devils 4-0. Edmonton Oil Kings 1-0 lead in Lethbridge. One minute left in the first period. Blue Jays down 7 nothing in Kansas City, and the Blue Jays now batting in the top of the fifth. Oilers and Canucks will not happen tomorrow. We don't know when that will be rescheduled, and uh, the Oilers will go to Winnipeg for a game on Saturday. I can also tell you, uh, I, I sometimes talk about golfing at the uh, Devon Golf and Conference Center. Uh, in a letter to members, uh, Pat Wren, the president of the club has said that the uh, club's former general manager is facing a couple of charges. Scott Borsa resigned as the general manager at the end of March. There was um, uh, a reason to uh, investigate. And uh, Mr. Wren writes, our finding indicated there are several issues relating to our financial position that could not be explained. We immediately notified the RCMP Devon Detachment to commence a thorough investigation. As a result of their findings, Mr. Borsa was arrested and charged with one count of defrauding the, uh, defrauding the Devon Golf Club and one count of theft under $5,000. So uh, a little bit uh, there from the Devon Golf and Country Club. Interesting story. She is ready to fight again with a belt on the line one week from tonight. 
in New York State, currently training in Vegas. It is Edmonton's Jelena Mergenovich. Jelena, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm actually really good. Well, that's good. It's nice to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And you're what now, a week away from your next bout? Is that how long we got? I am. One week, yep. One, One week. week and a few hours. One week and a few hours. Not that you're keeping track. Uh, tell everybody where you've been uh, training and how you're feeling leading up to this one. So I've been in Las Vegas this whole camp, um, uh, doing a training camp with Jonathan. I've actually, I actually have an amazing team this time. Um, you know, obviously we talked about my last fight and and all the trials and tribulations I kind of went through before that, um, and it was tough and everything i mean fingers crossed we got one more week everything seems to be going really smoothly um you know i've picked up a couple training partners nonito donaire so if anybody in the boxing world knows that name knows he's he's a legend so he's been a sparring partner of mine his wife has been um doing some conditioning stuff with me she's amazing she does all of nonito's conditioning and then uh jesse vargas has been part of that team too so um you know jonathan banks is the head coach um we all know he couldn't make the last fight this fight he will be there um he's excited and uh, we've had we've had a great camp Awesome. Okay, so now this is a Ring City event, and you're going. Isn't this at uh, at, at West Point, like Army, right? Like that's yeah. that's where the fight is. Yeah. So it's at uh, West Point Academy, uh, just north of New York. Um, so yes, I'm. I mean, we could have done opposite last time. I was in Miami last time, and fight was in LA, and this time I'm in Vegas, and fights. I mean, at least we got the camp straight this time. Okay. Good. <laughs> Will there be, uh, I mean, I know things are a, a little different in at least some parts of the States. Are there, is there going to be an audience this time? Will you have fans? So I was kind of asking about this because New York has some fans um, for sporting events, but uh, for this event with Ring City, uh, there will be cadets there, but no general public. So Okay. Well, that um, might so be an interesting vibe, though, with the cadets there. I'm excited. I heard West Point. I mean, obviously, I'm from the west side of the country, you know, Alberta, Edmonton, Alberta, hometown. Um, and I frequent down south here. I frequent Vegas and L.A., my two favorite spots to kind of get in a quick trip. Um, so, I, I mean, nothing, everything I've heard about point is amazing they say it's beautiful they say it's it's interesting uh i think some of my close friends were like please come back don't join the army i was like well i'm canadian don't worry yeah <laughs> no no worries there for sure uh your opponent is erica cruz hernandez uh what can you tell us about erica erica is 12 and 1 um she comes uh i actually don't even know how many knockouts she has she's 12 and 1 super tough uh, she's Mex from Mexico. She's a police officer in Mexico. So, you know, that means she's probably as tough as they come. Um, and we have one common opponent in, uh, Vizia Travado, the Italian girl that I fought at home. Um, I think if you do recall the exciting point in that, I mean, I knocked her down in the 10th round, but, uh, Milan and her coach almost got in a fight at the end of the fight. <laughs> if anybody recalls that. So, um, 
So we have one common opponent. We both beat her in this in this similar type fashion. I believe Erica dropped her in the second round. Um, flash knockdown and I dropped her in the 10th round. Uh, so that's kind of where we stack up regarding opponents. Um, but I'm excited. Like I know she comes to war. She's a southpaw, so she's a lefty, which uh, we all know that I've. Uh, I don't enjoy fighting them because the styles are awkward. You get a lot of head clashes, which I'm, fingers crossed. Hopefully this time we don't get cut. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm expecting like a, a great fight, action as usual. Um, and and uh, I mean I. I I can't ask for a better training camp, to be honest with you. So it almost feels like it's too smooth at this point. So I'm kind of just like cautiously optimistic for this last week, but like nervous. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy that it's it's going smooth. And this is the this is for the WBA belt. Yeah, my WBA featherweight. Yeah. Okay, because so you know be you know the alphabet, all these alphabet associations. Confused yes. me sometimes, Jolita. So I always double check what exactly is on the line. Well, this is well, great. I agree. <laughs> this is this is great. And then, are you going to be able? I know you've you've been all over, but are you are you going to be able to spend any time in Edmonton in the near future once you once you win in, on Thursday? I mean, I. This has been tough because I obviously miss home. I've been gone for seven weeks at this camp. Um, and I miss I miss home, but I, I think it's hard to miss anything at home right now because we have such such lockdowns and and um, and, and life is kind of odd at home. Um, so I am unsure what I'm gonna do. I I wanna um, I definitely want to come home. However, Nonito is fighting May 29th, and because he's been such an amazing part of my camp and my team, um, I want to be down here training with him and supporting him as he supported me, and then um, hopefully going to his fight. So I think the plan is to maybe come home for a couple weeks and then come back down. Um, and it all depends on how the fight goes, right? So I'm 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 not looking past Erica Hernandez, but we are looking to get back into the ring um, and hope in hopefully a unification bout um, shortly after. Um, so, I mean, if I win by a spectacular knockout early in the fight, then then who knows? Maybe I'm going to like maybe I'll go to. A beach somewhere i don't know <laughs> I, awesome. I really i can't look past like i you know i think this has been it's been quite some time since i've been in such good spirits a week out you know normally like you're cutting weight you're dropping your sodium you're finishing up this is what we used to call hell week um or what i used to call hell week and it was actually my favorite week of training because it was so challenging and you guys know me i, I don't back down from a challenge ever so um you know, this week I, I'm used to being really down and out. You've talked to me a week out of a fight. Like I'm barely stringing sentences together sometimes because I'm just moody and everybody says that I'm moody. I just say that I don't have time for patience. You just focus, that's patience. all, focused. I don't have patience for stupidity. That's what I say. Right. <laughs> Some people say that I'm grumpy. I just say I don't have patience for stupidity. <laughs> 
Well, of uh, course, we wish you all the best. And uh, of course, we will uh, I'll, I'll pre-book you for a date within a few days after the fight, like we usually do as well. So we wish you all the best. Glad, glad you're doing well. Go get another one, Juliana. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been good. So everybody tune in NBC Sports if you have that. If not, Twitch, uh, you go on the Twitch app if you're old like me and you're not sure. It's an app. Go on Twitch, follow Ring City USA, and you'll be able to stream all the undercard and everything. I am going on at 7 o'clock sharp Edmonton time. Um, and if you're on NBC, that's the TV time for, for the show. So looking forward to seeing everybody virtually and uh, hopefully an exciting fight. Jelena Berjanovic, she is ready to go, putting that belt on the line one week from tonight. We'll catch up with Zach Sachenko, former U of A goaltender, now a member of the San Jose Sharks. He had a couple of stellar seasons for the U of A Golden Bears. And a few days ago, he signed an entry-level contract with the San Jose Sharks. Welcome back to the show, goaltender Zach Sachenko. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Reed. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to catch up with you. Hey, congratulations on signing the entry-level contract. That's going to be a pretty cool milestone. Yeah, no, thank you. It, uh, it's a lot of years of hard work, but uh, I'm obviously real excited to be part of the Sharks, Sharks organization. So tell me how it uh, how it played out. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Dubnik got traded. Was was there something happening before then, or did they come to you relatively quickly after the deal? How did it shake down? Yeah, it happened uh, pretty fast, to be honest. I mean, uh, we uh, Dubnik got traded. I think on the Friday we were. I was in the American League with the Barracuda on uh, on a road trip. We played Saturday. I actually got my COVID vaccine on Friday, so I was feeling pretty pretty rough on saturday decided i shouldn't be playing i didn't play on friday um backed up and then on sunday i was playing and then after the game played fairly well and then i uh got off the bus got a call from my agent didn't uh, didn't pick it up i was just texted him said hey i'm on the bus i'll give you a call tomorrow and he said please give me a call it's urgent so i gave him a ring and then sure enough he said uh sharks were looking to sign me so they uh they put a, put together a deal pretty quick and then as soon as I got in that night, about 11.30 at night, I signed my first NHL deal. Well, awesome. That's a good thing. Who was the first person you called or texted after you got you got the news you were getting the ELC? Yeah, I, uh, I texted my dad right away. So I usually break down games with him after the game. So I broke it down, and then we were on our way home. And then I basically just texted him one quick word, like, Dad, San Jose wants to sign me to an ELC. And he just he blew up from there. And then obviously it was a, a night full of emotion. Awesome stuff. So let everybody know how you think the rest of the season will look for you now. I mean, it's been obviously a crazy year. Uh, what do you think? How do you think the next few weeks are going to play out? Yeah, it's been, you said it best, it's been a crazy year. So I think uh, for me, I'll be on the taxi squad for the rest of the year. And then once, uh, well, we'll see what, how the Sharks do here. They're in the middle of a playoff push. So 
hopefully they can uh, crack the postseason. If not, I'll probably head down to the Barracuda in the American League, finish out the year there when the Sharks are done. But as far as I'm concerned, I will be on the taxi squad for the rest of the year, basically just following around the big club as as kind of the third goalie type thing. Okay. Who, uh, who Who's your goalie coach or coaches there that have been working with you, and how's that relationship gone? It's been good. I mean, uh, this year, they uh, obviously, with everything that happened last year, uh, Nabby, Evgeny Nabokov, moved up to NHL. So I worked with him last year for a little bit, and then now it's kind of who I'm working with this year. And then for the first part of the year, when I was with the, the American League, I was working with a guy by the name of Danny Sabrin. So he's a French guy who, who worked out in the queues, then then got promoted to, uh, to the CUDA this year. So both really good guys, both good relationship with both of them. All right. Zach Slachenko joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former goaltender for the U of A Golden Bears, as he's telling you, just signed his first NHL deal with the San Jose Sharks. It's got to be, uh, I mean, look, it's it, it, as for the Oilers this year, I mean, the call-up, uh, send-down situation doesn't work very well with, with Bakersfield and, and the border. Just tell me about having the NHL club and the AHL club in, in the same city. It's got to It's got to have a lot of advantages. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think the biggest advantage is is, is that is that there's opportunity every night. It's it's real. I don't want to say easy to get uh, called up, but uh, it's a lot more accessible for for Doug and and Buggy to take a look at uh, our team in the American League and basically decide who they want to call up and who's earned that opportunity and uh it's lucky because like you said we don't have to hop on a plane cross the border or anything like that we basically just walk down the the hallway to the other dressing room so it's uh it definitely has its, has its advantages and um you know we're we're pretty lucky down here in san jose so tell me a little bit about how you've made the transition from playing major junior and then U sports. And now you've been a pro goaltender for the last uh, couple of years. I mean, well, I guess three years now, like, did you notice a, a huge transition going Canada West to AHL or, or how would you describe some of the ways the game might've been different or things you had to adjust to? You know what, Reed? Quite honestly, I uh, I found a bigger adjustment in going major junior to to Canada West. I think uh, when I was playing at U of A, like that program was so good, and there's so many guys at that school that uh, can be playing in the East Coast League and the American League that it kind of already felt like I was at that level to an extent. Obviously, I had been been playing the American League, so there was an adjustment there with speed and and stuff like that. But just just the game itself was. Uh, was a much easier transition for me, I think, from the uh, from Canada West and with the Bears to Major Junior. I think uh, taking that step and going to school made that transition a little bit easier on me. And uh, you know, obviously, it's it's paid its dues, so it's it's given its dividends. Uh, do you, I mean, do you run into any uh, former Bears or do people? who the, the teammates who aren't Canadian or from other parts of the country, like do they ask you about the program? Cause obviously, you know, the bears are pretty, uh, pretty well known and pretty successful. Yeah. So I, I run into the odd Canadian that asked me about the program. So I'm, there's always guys that are asking. And then obviously at the beginning of this year, I was playing with, with Alan, the East coast league. So I was playing with uh, Ben Carroll, who I, uh, I won a national title with, and then we always play against Stockton with, with Luke Phillip, who I obviously won a national title with as well. So it's, uh, it's no secret. The bears are good. And it's no secret that, uh, you know, if you're from Canada and you, and you know a little bit about uh, university hockey, you know who the bears are. 
Well, and I saw, you know, your old GM, Stan Marple, and a lot of teammates <laughs> giving you the old retreat or retweet or the plug on social media when you signed your deal. That must have been pretty cool. Yeah, we've got uh, a real tight-knit group. So I go back in the summertime. I trained with the same trainer I had at school. I obviously work with the same goalie coach I had at school. So it's uh, it's a tight-knit group. And, and once you're part of the Bears family, you're part of the Bears family forever. So it was pretty cool to have, you know, all my former teammates and, and coaches, GMs, trainers, and all that reach out. And, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, I, I obviously took a pretty unique route to get to the pros, but if I don't go to school and, and go to U of A, I don't think that uh, I do get this contract. So credit to them. It's a, it's a great story. Stan's a great uh, great person to be around, and, he, and he's built quite the program there. So like I said, I, I couldn't be prouder of my two years there, and that's uh, a lot of lifelong friendships that were built. Right on. Well, Zach, again, congratulations. Another step for you. Uh, you know, it's been awesome having you on the show going back to uh, to when you played for the Golden Bears. So I'm sure we'll be talking again. Enjoy the experience the rest of the season, and we'll catch up down the road. Awesome. No, thanks for you. Thanks for having me. Zach Sachenko, former Golden Bear, now on the San Jose Sarks taxi squad. Taylor Hall gets a goal. Bruins beat the Islanders 4-1. Jets knock off the Maple Leafs 5-2. No Oilers game tomorrow. We expect schedule adjustments to be announced by then. Stauffer has Oilers now noon to 2. All have inside sports 6-8. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.